Good morning, good morning. It's a joy to be here and share the Word of God with you. Uh, but before we do, I have to uh, explain something. Uh, I know many of you, I, I can see the look on your face. Like, is he colorblind all of a sudden? Why, why, the, why the black and yellow? Uh, <clears throat> so. Well, you, you guys have a prophet in your midst by the name of Blaine Workman. So when, when I was here last time, we had this conversation about how the Browns were going to beat the Steelers. And Blaine said that the Steelers were going to win both games. So the agreement was if the Browns won both, Blaine was going to have to come to Cleveland and preach in orange. If the Steelers won both, then... I said, there's no way. We've got a good team. Maybe lose one. There's no way we're going to lose twice. I couldn't envision myself having to wear black and gold all weekend. This has been like purgatory for me this weekend. So, so. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's, let's prepare to hear the word of God. Father, thank, thank you, Lord, for this, this time. Thank you for the joy that we have in the Lord as we fellowship and learn and grow together. We pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would just tailor a message uh, to each of us from this, this passage of Scripture, Lord, some serious issues that we're talking about, but we're so, so grateful, Lord, that you've got it all covered. Uh, bless us, Lord, as we praise you together, as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, as you know, is, was Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Every church saw larger than Normal attendance on that day is so many professing Christians attended service celebrating the resurrection. A lot of those people aren't going to be back this week. Now, we're part of the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance. We say a lot of those people are part of the CME denomination, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. So, <clears throat> so, so some of them we won't, we won't see this Sunday for, for various reasons, but in all honesty, some are, are, are serious about why they're not here. Some have drifted away from the faith, and, and others have not recovered well from the sifting and the drifting that can take place in the life of a believer. You know, a lot of people have been wounded in church. We say wounded by, by friendly fire, and so they don't come regularly. They come once in a while because they do believe, but they've not recovered well from those injuries. And others have not recovered from being sifted. Kind of naive about how vicious the enemy can be when he launches his attacks. It's been a long season with, with COVID and all the other things that have taken place. There's been a lot of grief, a lot of loss. Um, some marriages have suffered. Families have been hurt. Churches have been devastated. And a lot of this has been part of the the sifting process that actually our Lord allows us to go through for his reasons. So a very familiar passage of scripture, Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 1, where the word of God says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. 
Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So the attacks of the enemy are compared to sifting wheat. Has he been turning your life inside out and upside down recently? When, when I think of the word sifting, my, my first thought goes back to my, my mom and other ladies that did sifting of, of flour. But sifting of wheat is, is different. Uh, they tell us when wheat was taken from the field to the storehouses, it could be cut down and literally trampled and, and tossed around. And uh, then, of course, the wheat is winnowed. The, the wind carries the wheat away, the chaff falls to the ground. And, uh, but sometimes the wheat was violently shaken and sifted through strainers or, or rubbed together in someone's hand for that separation. So, so the picture of the sifting was could be painful if you were on the other end of that. And Jesus is warning his followers that the sifting process is going to take place. See, the farmer would sift so that he could keep what was good, the wheat, and get rid of the chaff. Satan wants to sift us to get rid of what's good. And so Jesus is warning his men about what's coming. It is so interesting that there's so much that was going on that night that they were missing the, how intense this was because they were actually focused on their own agendas rather than the glory of God. Does, does that describe your spiritual life? Same chapter. Go back to verse 24. This is after the supper in the upper room. He's talked about his passion. He's, he's instituted and told them, this is my body, this is my blood given for you, and look what they're concerned about. Verse 24, chapter 22. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. There was contention. There was strife. There was conflict over what? Which one of us is going to be the greatest? Jesus says in verse 25, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors interesting word isn't it these dictatorial people give you a few handouts and they want you to think they're a benefactor to you but not so among you on the contrary he who is greatest among you let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves for who is greater he who sits at the table or he who serves is it not he who sits at the table Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So before the sifting conversation, he had to remind them about who he was, how important it is to be a servant leader, about the kingdom that's coming. But again, they're distracted. They want to know who's the greatest. They were ambitious, but for selfish reasons. And there's nothing wrong with ambition. Ambition is a, is a good thing, but we have to examine our hearts to distinguish godly ambition from selfish ambition. Remember what Paul told us in, in Philippians chapter 2. He, he said that, it's hard to find someone like-minded. No, 
Everybody seeks their own and not the things of Jesus Christ. And in Philippians 2 verse 3 said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition, vainglory, conceit, but in lowliness of mind, esteem other better than self. So Jesus is trying to tell his men about the kind of attitude that's needed because they're concerned about their own glory instead of his. And see, Satan loves to attack believers and sift them like wheat in hopes of destroying their confidence in Christ and causing them to drift away from him. But notice he must first ask permission, and yet the Lord often allows it. See, in that word back in verse 31 which says Satan has asked for you, you would see that the word also means he's asked for and been given permission. He's obtained permission to sift you like wheat. But immediately Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. And when you've returned to me, notice he already sees you're going to get through this. Use the experience to strengthen your brethren. It's interesting that Jesus here calls him Simon twice. Now back in Matthew 16, when Peter made his great confession about you are the Christ, the, the son of the living God, and Jesus called him Peter, you know, you're a rock, I'm going to build on you. You're one of the foundational stones. He's the chief foundation, of course. You're one of the building blocks. But when he called him Simon twice, I have to say that was a reminder. Boy, you're about to act in your flesh again. <laughs> and the you in that passage, he was talking to all of them. But he's singling out Peter because, as you well know, he was going to have the most devastating sifting of all of them initially that night. But rest assured in the faithful intercession of the Lord if he allows you to go through the painful process of being sifted. He's going to pray you through so you can encourage others when they are likewise being sifted. See, our Father knows what we can handle, which is basically nothing apart from Jesus. <laughs> so he's going to be with us. <laughs> Throughout this process, he, he knows your breaking points. He knows what we can expect as we go through our trial. So take comfort in his control of the situation, even though it's very painful. Remember, he told us in Hebrews 7, he ever lives to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. But our problem is we so often trust in our own willpower instead of embracing his will and his power. And if that's what you do, you're soon going to find yourself drifting away from the Lord. Follow me in Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 55. The word of God says, Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. 
Verse 59, then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him. He's a Galilean. His speech betrays him. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter was so supremely confident in his ability to handle any trial, he felt he was ready to die for Christ. Remember, the spirit may be willing, but the flesh is always weak. As we used to say, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is always ready for the weekend. <laughs> Peter was so confident because of his love for Jesus that he could handle whatever challenges and trials were coming his way. And when we, when we talk about flesh, you know it has different meanings. Sometimes he's talking about your physical body. Uh, but this case, flesh means human nature apart from God. Your fallen, sinful nature. You can't trust it. You can't depend upon it. That's why we have to be born again. We can only imagine how Peter must have felt when the Lord said he would deny him. But take note of the comforting words that Jesus spoke in John 14, which followed this prophecy about the denial. When, when John recorded this story, at the end of chapter 13, you heard these words about the denial. And then immediately in the chapter 14, the comforting words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Peter, men, you believe in God, you believe in me exactly the same way. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house and many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also, therefore comfort. These are words of comfort right after hearing about a betrayal and a denial. See, the God who knows the end from the beginning already knew how often you and I would fail to keep our promises to him. Be comforted in knowing he always keeps his promises to us. Amen? Amen. So here's Peter. He begins to drift while he's under the very pressure he was so sure he could handle. A couple reasons for that. He wasn't steadfast in prayer. Remember that same night, the night of Gethsemane, the Lord is praying in agony, the stress of what he was about to go through, not scared of dying, but he's about to take on the weight, the punishment for our sin. It was such a stressful situation, the Bible tells us that his, his blood and his sweat started to mingle under that stress. And he told his boys, come and pray for me, pray with me. And so much is going on that night, they fall asleep. It wasn't steadfast in prayer. Peter also fought with the wrong weapons that night. The soldiers come and he pulls out a sword and swings at Malchus's head and cuts off his ear. You and I need to be fighting with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Also that night as we read the story that says Peter followed from a distance rather than staying close. That describes 
the spiritual life of so many of us. We believe Jesus, we call ourselves followers, but we're not keeping in step with the Spirit. We're too far behind him. He followed from a distance. And that same night, he lost his courage and denied the Lord. It's good to know that God will never deny himself, and he won't deny you once you place your faith in Jesus Christ. See, no matter how many times you've been sifted, or how often you've drifted away from your intimacy with Christ, he's able to get you back on track. Remember when you read John 21, and after his resurrection, the, the Lord has already appeared to Peter privately, and now he if you will, restores him publicly in front of the others and, and the threefold challenge, Simon, Simon, do you, do you love me? And the Lord used both of the, well, two of the words for love, agape and phileo. Agape love, of course, meets needs regardless of response. Phileo love is the kind of love we use when we're talking about an intimate, friendly relationship. And Jesus used both of those words as he challenged Peter, do you love me? And Peter kept saying, Lord, you know I love you. What was the directive? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my people. If you love me, show it by how you shepherd my flock. He never stopped loving you. He never will. Peter denies his Lord three times under pressure. And then the rooster crows. And then they make eye contact. It's good to know the Lord always has his eyes on us, isn't it? But I was thinking that how many times had Peter heard a rooster crow in his life? Hundreds of times. But from this night on, the sound of a rooster crow would never be the same. For the rest of his life, that would jog his memory about what his Lord taught him that night. The rooster crow sounded different to Peter than everybody else that night. It stirred his memory. But another good thing happened. That, that was going to be the sign of a new spiritual day for him too. Because the Lord had prayed for him to come through that sifting. See, there, there was a sermon in the looking. I, I came up with some old school parents. When you were in church and you were doing something you had no business doing, the sermon was just a look. That's all they had to do. <clears throat> the look preached volumes. Boy, if you got any sense, you better stop. <clears throat> You're going to get it when you get home. If you don't, they didn't say a word. The sermon was in the look. <laughs> I had a witness in the house. So... <laughs> But the look from Jesus that night was also a sermon for Peter. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 32 and verse 8 and 9. He said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like the horse and mule that I have to put a bridle in its mouth or else it won't come near to me. You've seen athletes who played together for a while and all it takes is eye contact. And they know what to do next. We want to be like that with Jesus. You know, for the longest, I would look at this passage and, and think that when they made eye contact, that the sermon from Jesus' eyes was, I, I told you so. 
Kind of like the look I get from Pastor Blaine and Pastor Ross after the game. <clears throat> but I've come to believe that this eye contact said, said more than that. That it wasn't so much this I told you so. It was a look of, I still love you. I'm compassionate. I'm merciful. I'm forgiving. You should trust me. Keep your eyes on me. I think it was a restorative look, not so much a look of condemnation. I believe no matter what you've gone through, no matter how much you've drifted, no matter how much the sifting has affected you and you feel like I can never get close, like Lord will never trust me again, look in his face. Look into his word. See how he's looking at you. See the love. See the mercy. See the grace. See the hope. See the forgiveness. And get back on track. Reaffirm your love for the Lord by how you care for those who belong to him. I'm so glad that we were able to get back together in corporate worship so we can shepherd one another's souls. And Yeah, you can sit at home and hear great sermons and watch great sermons, but you can't fellowship. You can't love on each other. You can't minister your gifts to one another if you don't see one another. I close with this. Surrender to the indwelling Holy Spirit. You'll be able to do far more in quantity and significance than you ever imagined possible. See, after Pentecost, when Peter is a spirit-filled man, did did you notice that at least three times in the book of Acts, he did go to prison? And he was faithful, he was bold as a lion, he, he never denied his Lord, he faithfully proclaimed the gospel after he was a spirit-filled man. He led thousands to faith in spite of fierce opposition because he kept his eyes on Jesus the rest of the way. Beloved, you're going to be attacked spiritually sometimes. And you may be ashamed of of past failures. Please remind yourself that nothing you've ever done took the Lord by surprise. And he was praying for you and praying for you to come through the sifting and the drifting and get closer to him than you've ever been before. So get your eyes off of your failures and start focusing again on his faithfulness. Because there's a lot of work yet to be done. And you're needed. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this reminder that you've got your eyes on us. Help us keep our eyes on you. Thank you, Lord, for praying for us as we go through these trials that we are reminded that you have allowed because you know that you can bring us closer to you as we go through these trials. Lord, would you wrap your arms around my brothers and sisters? I sense some are hurting very deeply and just need to see that look of love and mercy and hope and restoration in your eyes. Help us, Lord, to surrender fully to your indwelling Holy Spirit so that you can use us for your glory. Destroy every vestige of selfish ambition that's in our lives and help us be ambitious for the kingdom of God. Father, help us look forward to crossing that finish line and running into your arms. Victorious in Jesus. We thank you in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank <laughs> you.